back. <laughs> okay, it is Advent season, and let me explain something. We're going to have the Advent lighting in just a moment. It's going to be played on the video. Uh, to you at home, watching online, or maybe watching at a later date, I want you to know you're part of our service, and what I'm trying to do here, the first two Sundays in Advent, we split it here with people from the congregation. The next two is going to be filmed in video because I want to include everybody. I want the online people to know you are as much as part of our church as the people that are sitting here. We're all one together. We're all the body of Christ. And we understand our responsibility to minister to you the best we can. And we want to include you in all the ways that we can. So Christy uh, Ott, our secretary, who also runs our soundboard back there, and her daughter Lexi were uh, gracious enough to... Do the candle lighting this week, and here it is. Roll it. Our scripture reading this week is chapter 2 of Matthew, verses 10 and 11. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We light this candle in the joy of the Lord. May the true joy of Christmas fill our hearts and lives. Thank you, Christy, for reading. Alexi, thank you for turning those batteries on and lighting those lights. We certainly do appreciate it. Today's candle is the candle of joy. And if you'll notice, I rearranged them a little, a little bit. There's a pink candle here. For some reason, somebody, I guess they could sell more candles decided that the candle for this Sunday ought to be pink, so now they package them pink, so you get to buy extra candles, you know, when you buy candles for the sets. Uh, but the pink candle represents joy. The reading that we had this morning talked about the joy that the wise men felt as they came and the star led them over to the place where the baby Jesus was lying. Joy is built into Christmas, isn't it? It's something that we expect to enjoy, if you will, to, to have at this time. Um, think about it. Think with me seriously a minute. Christmas morning, you get up and you have thought long and hard and you've got this special gift for your spouse. Most of us anyway, Tim. Yeah, yeah. But and when they open that gift, you expect them to, to be joyous, don't you? You're hoping that that gift brings them great joy. When the kids come in around the Christmas tree, the grandkids, whichever you may have, and all the paper starts being thrown everywhere, bows, you remember those days, Ellen? You know? Everything's thrown everywhere, and you're expecting the kids' face to light up with joy at the presents that they have received. And then when we gather at the table... And you've got the turkey or the ham and the family are around or whatever. You're expecting to have a joyous time together. But this season, this season is different, isn't it? Many will not be gathering with family because of COVID restrictions and other things. Many families have lost loved ones this year. Many families have lost jobs and income, so... There may not even be a good meal, much less presence under the tree. While joy is supposed to be built into the Christmas story, 
it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of joy in our world today, does it? But are we looking for the right kind of joy? Or maybe we have the wrong ideal of joy. Well, let's look at Scripture and find out what Scripture's ideal of joy is. You see, even before Jesus was born, joy was in the Christmas story. We kick the Christmas story off, at least in the New Testament, with Zacharias and Elizabeth. That's Jesus' cousin, his aunt and uncle, if you will. And they were older, and they didn't have any children. Zacharias was serving in the temple, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him that he was going to have a son, and that this son we know would be John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Christ, who would baptize Christ in that river Jordan in the wilderness. But in Luke 1, 14 and 15, the angel tells Zacharias this, you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink even before his birth. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. We understand joy in the birth of a child, don't we? Many of us, we have experienced it. Whether it be our own children or our grandchildren or our nephews and nieces or whatever or a friend, we understand that there's joy in the birth of a child. But did you catch anything else in that story if you've read it or remember it? You see, in that story, I think there's something else that we're taught about joy. Mary goes and visits her cousin, Elizabeth. They're both pregnant. Elizabeth is six months pregnant with John the Baptist, and Mary has just found out that she's with child with Jesus. And Scripture tells us that when Mary walked in the house, and at her first words to Elizabeth, has Elizabeth heard her niece's voice, we hear this. For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb, that would be John the Baptist, leaped for joy. And we know about babies kicking in the womb, don't we? But can they experience joy while they're in the womb? Can a baby in the womb experience joy before its birth? You ready to be stretched? Is this... Luke's way of telling us that this child, Jesus, is going to bring us joy that transcends the physical. That goes beyond what we think. Is it possible that this is Luke's way of informing us that joy means something more than the world thinks? It doesn't mean just a static feeling. That maybe there's more to it. Well, to answer that question, let's continue to look at Scripture. In our Advent reading this morning, Lexi and Christy reminded us of the joy that the wise men had when the star came over the house Jesus was in. But let's look at Luke again and look at the joy that we read about with the angels. Luke 2, 10 to 14. The angels appeared to the shepherds who were out in the field, and we read, The angel said to them, do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the child wrapped in bands of cloth, lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace among those whom he favors. This is the word of God for the people of God. And your response is, thanks be to God. Good, you still got it. Did you notice that? The angel said, this is good news and great joy to all people. Now, you know, I've told you more than once, don't check your brain when you read Scripture. Great joy to all people. Wait a minute, angel. All people don't know about the birth of Jesus Christ. The shepherds were being called. The only people that knew was Mary and Joseph and maybe the innkeeper or somebody that was around there. The people over in India didn't know about it. The people in America, the native North Americans, they couldn't have known about the birth of Jesus at that time, could they? The aborigines in Australia didn't. The people that lived in the rainforest of the Amazon, they didn't. So, wait a minute, angel, how can this be news and great joy for all people? What kind of joy are you talking about? Because it seems to be something far greater than the joy of getting a new Mercedes for Christmas. The angel's talking about the joy. The joy that mankind has because a Savior has been born. The joy that God was Emmanuel, God with us, God in us, God for us. The joy that's here today for you and I. A joy that goes deeper than any happiness we may feel because of a gift we unwrap at Christmas. A joy that transcends our understanding of what it may be. Remember the Advent reading Christy read for us? That when the star stopped, the wise men were overwhelmed with joy. Have you ever wondered why? Think, think about something with me a minute. We often forget this. Jesus was about two years old at this time. We get that from the fact that uh, Herod goes and kills all the children two years old and under when he ascertains when the star appeared to the wise men. So the, star, the, the wise men have been following the star for two years. For two years, they've been away from their family. For two years, what do you reckon their clothes look like? They probably were in the same clothes they left with. Maybe they had a couple of extra sets. They were tired. They were cold. They'd been hungry. They'd been hot. Was there joy because they could go home now? Was there joy because they reached their destination? What kind of joy did they have? And Sue, you're the Sunday school teacher. It tells us in the next verse. Matthew 2.11 says, On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary. They bowed down and they worshipped him. We have to do some unpacking here a little bit. They bowed down and they worshipped him. To me, that means they had joy because they had found the one that was greater than anyone else. They had found their Savior. They had found their God. They had found the one that was worthy of being worshipped. Notice they didn't worship Herod when they went to him. They didn't worship any of those people that they had left or crossed paths with as they come to Bethlehem. They bowed down and they worshipped this one that was sent from heaven, this Emmanuel, this God with us.
you know, we often forget the cost of joy. Think about the wise men. They had great joy, but they had left their families for two years. They had been traveling for two years. They had experienced all the difficulties for two years. They still had two more years to go back home. Have you ever thought about that? But yet they were joyous. We forget that joy has a cost. We're joyful when our children are born, when our grandchildren are born, but do we remember the morning sicknesses or the pain at the birth? We rejoice when our kids graduate from college or from high school, but do we remember the sleepless nights of getting up to feed them, especially when they had colic or the dirty diapers? Do we remember those terrible twos or even worse, those teenage years when you didn't know if they were going to make it or you were going to make it? Oh, I see some of you nodding your head that you remember those. Do we remember that before they found this person that they married that's going to be the, make their life full, some of the boyfriends and girlfriends they brought home before? We don't remember those, do we? But we have the joy that even through all this, they have found the one they need. Maybe there's where joy is found in relationship. Maybe that's what the Bible's trying to teach us. Maybe our ideal of joy being something that we're excited about may have a different meaning. Let me show you what it says about Jesus. In Hebrews 12, the writer says this, Looking to Jesus, who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken a seat at the right hand of God the Father. Wait a minute. Let that sit in just a minute. The joy that was set before him before he endured the cross. What joy could there be in that? How is there joy in being stripped naked in front of your mother and your family and your friends and scourged 39 lashes, then paraded through the streets, still nude and crucified? How is there joy in that? Especially when it's done inhumanely and unjustly. In his case, he was innocent. How can there be joy there? Yet scripture does not lie. It tells us he had joy before this. How? Because he knew that his death would bring you and I into his kingdom. He knew that with his sacrifice, you and I, and all who believe in him, whosoever will, would have a relationship with him then. Would be with him forever. That God's original intention would be restored, if you will. And that mankind would have her Savior. Sound a little far-fetched? Well, let me show you something else. Jesus was a master of parables. He told one parable in Matthew 25. And we know it as the parable of the talents, but we often overlook things in it. In this particular parable, the master, which is obviously supposed to be God, or Jesus, however you may want to refer to him. Let's use Jesus here. That Jesus is going away, and this master gives these three servants a certain amount of talents. 
and ask them to conduct business, if you will, as he's gone. Well, he comes back, and there's a day of reckoning. And the first one that he had given five talents to comes and he now has ten. The second one that he had given three talents to and he comes and he's doubled his also. The one that he only gave one talent to, didn't do anything with it, is he buried it in the sand and he brought it back and said, here's what you gave me, but I've done nothing with it. And remember what said? That last servant is cast out into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, Luke tells us, while the other two are rewarded. And we often, we, we stop right there and we think, that's great, we understand why they were rewarded. They were rewarded for what they did, but is that what they were rewarded for? Look at what it says. It says this at both Matthew 25, 21 and 25, 23, responding to the good servants. The master said to him, well done, good and trustworthy servant, slave, depending on which version you're using. You've been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Look at the last sentence. Enter into the joy of your master. Enter into the joy of your master. Joy is obviously something here that is relational. They're entering the joy that they share with their master and with whoever else may be in that congregation, if we will. Such as we have joy and we share joy when we bring in new members or when our members have children. See where we may have had the wrong idea of joy all this time? In fact, we even see this in the resurrection. In the resurrection, we read this after the ladies had went to put the spices on them and the tomb was rolled, the stone was rolled away and they saw Jesus. It says they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. How can you have fear and great joy at the same time? Anybody ever thought about that? I got fear something's going to happen, but I got joy when it don't. They had fear and great joy. I get the fact that they understood Jesus was alive. In John Fox's Book of Martyrs, if you haven't read it, the library does have a copy. But John Fox has done a lot of research. He wrote this years ago. It's been updated every so often since then. But he wrote about the apostles and other saints that had been martyred for the faith. Some of them, while they were being tortured, while they were being burned alive, while they were being drowned or whatever they were doing, he has actual recorded written witnesses saying that while they were enduring this, they were singing psalms, they were praying prayers, or they were singing hymns. Really? While you were being tortured and put to death, you could sing hymns? That's a joy you and I probably don't understand, isn't it? But it's a joy they had showing that their joy was in the relationship they had with Jesus Christ. They had that joy that was unspeakable that our praise team sing, sings about in one of their praise songs. That joy that's unquenchable. And they found it because they knew the person of Jesus Christ, not because of what was going on around them. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans 14. He said, the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness, peace, 
and joy in the Holy Spirit. Our joy is found in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Our joy is found in the one that, that uh, Joe reminded us way back on the first Sunday of Advent where he's the one we put our hope in. Our joy is found as a person, the person of Jesus Christ, who made it possible for us to spend eternity with him. So as we approach this today and we go through Advent in this time, I have a prayer for you. Same prayer that Paul prayed for the Romans in, verse, in chapter 15 when he said this. And I pray this same prayer for all of us today. Here, online, wherever we may be, and other Christians around the world. May the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace in believing. So that we may be bound together in that hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now let me tell you one other thing before I end. Jesus in that upper room in chapter John or in chapter 15 of John when he was in the upper room he said this to the disciples I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. You catch that relation there again? Our joy comes from Jesus. Our joy is in us and is complete as we are in him. Our joy is in God, not our possessions, not our circumstances, not on this earth. So come, Lord Jesus, come. Fill us with the never-ending, always-flowing, living water that's fresh and exciting this day. May it be life-changing, transformational to us. May we know that joy of knowing you truly as our own personal Savior and friend, which is Christ the Lord. Amen. Amen. I remind you that uh, you can contribute to this ministry by giving to Lake Gibson United Methodist Church located at 424 West Daughtery Road in Lakeland, Florida, 33809. All of this information is on our website. You can mail your offerings to us. You can go online at lakegibsonumc.com. You can set up giving there. You can give one time. You can give special gifts, whatever. You can even text giving. Haven't we come a long way? I don't even know how to text half the time. But you can actually set up text giving at that number, 833-758-0308, and then you can do it repetitively. So hopefully you have sent in your prayer request also. So we want to continue to pray for uh, Glenda and David as they travel in the Ogden. His name was Gary Ogden, the Ogden family. Any others, Christy? Bev Henrich is asking us to pray for Brian and Dominic Ziegler. They both have COVID. Okay. Gene Stokes has passed away. Pray for his family. Neighbor of Tom and, Berthy, uh, Tom and Dorothy Burns has a new grandson, so we're celebrating. Mason, born at 28 weeks and 2 pounds. He is improving, but please keep he and his family in prayer. Uh, you probably saw this on the news. The four teens that were burned, one very critically at the bonfire in Polk City uh, earlier this week. I want to remember them. Dottie Hooven, Dottie is leaving the 16th, I believe. Pray for safe travels. Uh, Dottie is going to Wisconsin, and on the 29th of this month, she will be having uh, brain surgery, so we want to pray for her there. Others, Christy? Sandra Lynn Stanfield, Sandy. Jerry is home from the hospital again. Uh, please offer prayers as he begins his physical therapy, and as Sandy is his primary nurse 
uh, and caregiver also pray for her. I see it, Christy? Okay. Of course, you know the things that we need to be in prayer for here, the cantata has, as we come next week, the various things going on in our nation and in our community, those on our prayer chain list that are recovering at home. I know Gail Dower, Gail Gower is home recovering, but we want to continue to pray for he and others as they recover. And you know others that are on your minds and your hearts even now. But let's go to God in prayer. Father, we come to you at this time, and we just lift these prayer requests before you. First of all, Lord, I thank you. I praise you for the joy that you have put in each of our hearts. I praise you that our joy depends on you, and you are ever faithful, not on circumstances that surround us, not on material possessions we may have, but our joy is found in Jesus Christ. The fact that you are our friend, that you know us by name, and we know you by name, and God, thank you for that. May that joy just well up in us and burst out of us like the living water to infect those we come into contact with this Christmas and share that joy of Jesus with them in this time that seems to be dark. Father, as we come, you know those other requests, those that have been listed on our screen, those that have been audibleized, and those that are in our prayer journal. You know each and every one of them. We lift them before you, asking you to have mercy upon them, to work in their life, to heal, to guide doctors and caregivers and nurses, to give spouses and families the patience that they may need. For those that are dealing with loved ones that have dementia, Alzheimer's, other diseases that affect their memory, Lord, I lift a special prayer to them. Give them some good days. Give them some times of clarity where they can spend with their loved one, where they can have some sharing that's meaningful. Give them the patience they need even now to deal with it when it's not. Give doctors some breakthroughs on ways to treat and prevent this disease. For those who have lost loved ones, thinking of Glenda and David and, and the others that have been mentioned this day, comfort them in a special way. For our country, for our world, we pray at this time that we would be a little more civil toward one another, a little more understanding, a little more patience, and that we could share the joy of Christ with all those we come into contact with. We ask all this in the master's name of Christ. Amen. So let go, praise team. Will you rock us out of here today? the joy of the Lord. Amen. This one you can't sit down for, folks. Those of you watching us on Facebook and YouTube, too, I would suggest you may want to stand up because this one is a little bit rocking out. Here we go. God rest you, Mary, gentlemen, and star of wonders. <laughs> <laughs> 